Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest with us. I have Jeremy Fredkin. Hey there, Jeremy. How's it going? Hey, Brad. Things are going wonderful. How about yourself? Uh, it's a beautiful sunny day in Las Vegas. How about yourself? Oh, can't beat that. I'm down here outside of Charleston, South Carolina. It's definitely sunny and already hot. Oh, absolutely. All right. So, Jeremy, why don't we just jump right into it and you tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So uh, my name is Jeremy Frutkin. I'm uh, currently uh, an educator. I've been teaching for the past seven years. I'm currently serving as a behavior interventionist in a school district outside of Charleston, uh, South Carolina. Uh, on top of that, I've also been an actor for about, oh boy, let's see. I'm going to show my age here. I think this will be my 20th year uh, as an actor. I started when I was in high school doing plays uh, when I was 15. I'm now 35. Um, yeah, so I'm a teacher an actor, and a lover, lifelong lover of video games as well. Beautiful. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. So before we do, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everybody else. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being high, how weird are you, Jeremy? How weird am I on a scale of 1 to 10? Great question. I would say, depending on the day, a solid 7.5. Why in is terms that? Of Why would you say that? So I think... There's been such a wonderful shift culturally over the past maybe five, 10 years where people are realizing that things that we grew up loving, video games, comic books, are not only here to say, stay, but they really dominate the pop culture landscape and conversation as well. So I think a lot of things that I love too wouldn't be as quote unquote weird as they would have been maybe 15, maybe even 10 years ago. I love that answer. You know, oftentimes I get guests like, I'm a 10, I'm a 12, over 9,000. Like, we're all normal people. We have a hobby. Like, Absolutely. Ab absolutely. And uh, I love that we, uh, we're at a place, at least, where that's so much more ex uh, acceptable. I've always believed that if you love something, just enjoy it and do it as often as you can. That's right. All right. So this is the Gamerpreneur. So, Jeremy, I'm going to need your gaming cred. When did you first start playing video games? Oh boy. So fun fact about me, I'm exactly as old as Mario, at least here in America, not Japan. With the uh, original Mario Brothers release on the NES uh, 1985, which was the year I was born as well. So uh, the first game I played was in fact Mario Brothers on the NES with my sisters who did the uh, quintessential older sibling move. You probably already know what I'm going to say and gave me the controller where it wasn't plugged in. So I started doing that, and then I did eventually get to play uh, Mario Brothers and, of course, the other quintessential Nintendo game from uh, early on in the NES lifecycle, Duck Hunt, as well. Absolutely. Too. Oh, I love it. And I'm sure you got the uh, Mad Cats controllers growing up, too, didn't you? Oh, yes. <laughs> All the, the, the beaten up and hand-me-downs. But once you got a little older and hit middle school, you could start trading, and you realize there was uh, strength in numbers with that kind of thing. For sure. So I'm assuming your love of games has just continued through the years? Yes, sir. That is absolutely correct. So uh, I've been playing video games pretty much nonstop since then. Uh, all systems. I currently own every current gen system uh, as well as, uh, you know, a gaming laptop that I use as well. And I just, I love all sorts and varieties of video games. That's another cliche answer. It's kind of like when you say to somebody, oh, I love music. Well, what kind? Well, all kinds. But I, I do, whether it's, uh, whether it's sports, whether it's first person shooters, RPGs, pretty much all up and down the board. Fantastic. All right, what are you playing today? Ah, great question. So when I have time, uh, and by the way, a uh, little tip for everybody out there, it's always important to marry the right person. My wife is the coolest, 
always gives me time to enjoy my hobby, which is video games. And I, yesterday I got a little break from baby duty. I'm working on Final Fantasy VII Remake for the PlayStation, which is absolutely wonderful, having beaten the original myself. And uh, the Nintendo Switch, which is actually my wife's wedding gift to me, when we got married in 2017 has been the best dad device ever. So when my baby naps, it's very easy for me to uh, sneak out the switch and play. So my switch game that I'm playing now is dead cells, which I'm finally getting around to playing, which, you know, normally I'm not a huge, huge, I have respect and I enjoy them. I'm not a huge Metrovania or roguelite fan, but I, dead cells is blowing me away. It really is a lot of fun. Right on. I um, Hopefully you aren't cursed like me. My, uh, my toddler just one day stopped napping. Oh, Just was done. No more naps. It's, no more it's free like time for me. It's like seeing into my immediate future, Brad, is what <laughs> I feel like. She's uh, my, my beautiful daughter, Autumn. She's eight months old and she's really teething the point where they're like halfway in, halfway out. So the sleeping isn't as uh, steady. I think I actually booked this podcast with you at like three o'clock in the morning when my daughter happened to be awake. So there's an I advantage. Those days. I'll have to tell you, I miss not sleeping. <laughs> I, I understand. All right. So uh, one more gaming question, then we'll kind of move on to the professional side of it. Um, Desert Island scenario. You get one game the rest of your life, power cable, Ethernet cord. What game is it? That's, again, a wonderful, wonderful question. I think for me, that game is probably going to end up being Red Dead Redemption 2. I was tempted to say Skyrim. I really, really was tempted just in terms of uh, longevity. To me, in that scenario, you don't need necessarily what your favorite game is. You do need to like the game, of course, but you need to have a vast, vast game with tons of option and replayability. And I mean, Red Dead Redemption 2, as polarizing as that game was, especially the first few hours of it, um, for many people, it's in my top 10 for sure. Beautiful. All right, let's go on to the preneur part. So you kind of already gave us your background. You're an educator, but what is your professional background? How did you end up here? Sure, great question. So uh, my parents were both educators. Uh, and I was already, you know, doing the acting from high school. And um, I don't know if this is true or not, but allegedly there was a story that I heard that uh, Brad Pitt's parents had a deal with him. And they said, you can be whatever you want to be. Just make sure you get a degree and then go from there. So I went to SUNY Albany, go dance. Uh, went to college, graduated, got a degree in English, uh, minor in sociology. And I was like, all right. You know, I did the typical thing, bartending and acting for a while uh, all around New York, where I'm originally from. And um, I got to the point where I was like, man, I really need to make some more money. I guess I could try substitute teaching, you know, but there's no way I'm going to be a teacher like my parents. Like, you know, I was young, you know, the young rebellious angsty, you know, I'm never going to be like my parents. And uh, I started substituting and lo and behold, I was like, oh no, I really like this. I really enjoy this. And one thing led to another and I was like, you know what, this is a, a rewarding way for me to spend my time. And uh, I really do have a love and passion for interacting with students of uh, all ages and backgrounds. And uh, what's also nice too is with the summers off, I have plenty of time to pursue the acting, the video games, anything else I enjoy. So it really ended up being a rewarding and perfect fit. Absolutely. And again, what were the, uh, the subjects you teach on? Ah, so right now, currently, I'm a behavior interventionist, which means I went from, a, so I have a dual master's degree in a special education uh, and elementary education. So that, I was a classroom teacher and a special ed teacher for many years. I worked in, uh, you know, standard public classrooms. I worked in private schools. I worked in children's hospitals. Um, and from my background and my performance actually teaching math in my school, 
uh, this past year at an elementary level, they needed a position for a behavior interventionist, which is basically helping, um, you know, kids who, who need guidance and need a little more structure and reinforcement. Um, so I'm actually the school's first ever behavior interventionist. This was my first full year, you know, that, uh, I don't know if anybody had a full year, you know, all things considered, but that's how I landed at this job that I'm in now. Oh, that's so wonderful. All right. So what are some challenges in this position? Obviously, you know, you're dealing with kind of like the, the tougher end of the educational system. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. It's because you really do want to help any, everybody. And, uh, I think the important thing that I try to remember is that everything is going to be incremental. Uh, you're not going to see some, you know, uh, Hollywood overnight success story with a bow on it in two hours. But what I try to do is um, try to be a good listener. Uh, the fact that I like video games helps a lot, let me tell you. Because sometimes when a kid is really annoyed, just needs to take a break, I can literally do what you just asked me, Brad, and just go, hey, what have you been playing recently? And, you know, if they don't know me and it's the first time I say that to them, they're taken aback being like, you know, you're a uh, grown up like that's unbelievable to me you know so we have um we have a common bond and as long as you can find some commonality with people uh, no matter their size or age or whatever usually i think find that uh things are a lot better going from there absolutely all right so i, I want to talk about the acting side of it here in a second but like my, my goal for the show is always to try to give people options maybe there's some position out there some job out there they hadn't ever considered so how does somebody get into your line of work sure uh in terms of the teaching and education yes so, uh, you know, you have to obtain a, uh, a degree, you know, a teaching degree and go through a bunch of testing and hoops. But that's, that's something that I'm not going to say that anybody can do, but with enough resolve, that's something that's, I think, achievable, all things being equal as they sometimes are, not always, I suppose. But um, what really is important, if you really want to be a teacher, do what I begrudgingly did all those years ago and start by substituting. Go talk to your local schools, be like, hey, do you have a sub list? What are your requirements to be a substitute? And actually get in there because I feel like I learned a lot, don't get me wrong, studying textbooks and theories and everything. But once you're actually in an educational environment, all those theories and everything that you've learned cannot hold a candle to day-to-day on-the-job experience and just being there and just interacting with all these students from different backgrounds, different walks of life, who have different needs, different personalities. So my advice is just get in there as soon as you can and see if you like it and see if it's for you. Absolutely. Like, What is the biggest surprise you have found on the, the teaching side? The biggest surprise I've found, I honestly think it's that kids and adults, there really is not as huge a difference as I originally thought there were. And that sounds like a slight against adults at first. Don't get me wrong. No, it's not. I actually believe that everybody, their personality crystallizes at 15. So when you're, you're the same person in high school as you are as an adult. Yeah, I think there, there may certainly be a lot of truth to that, Brad, for sure. I, um, I stopped looking at children as children. and I just started looking at everybody as people. And as soon as I did that, I found that things got a lot better on all fronts. Okay, fantastic. All right, let's talk about the acting sides. What do you do there? Sure. So I've been acting since I was 15 years old. I started by doing uh, all of my high school uh, plays and all, all of that good stuff. Um, I was signed to a, you too? I, I did eighth grade drama class. Lead of, lead of our uh, eighth grade drama play that year, Winnie the Pooh. Look at you. What, what did you play in Winnie the Pooh? That's awesome. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Look, I got a star right here in front of me. A leading man. That's amazing, Brad. That's amazing. <laughs> but um, I think I'd be more of a tigger, probably, is my guess. But, you know. Um, 
so I, I got signed to a commercial talent agency uh, during college. I did a bunch of, uh, you know, just, you know, commercial work, little work here and there. And then I, uh, I actually dropped out of grad school the first time around to go pursue the acting and spend a lot of time in New York, just doing a lot of background work and stand-in work, which was tremendous experience until I was ready to go back to grad school. Um, and from then on, I've just been, I've been extremely, uh, extremely fortunate and lucky to get, you know, some roles in some indie movies. Um, you might see, you might've heard my voice in some video games, which has been a dream come true for me uh, as well. And I'm currently signed to a talent agency down here uh, in Charleston called Coastal Talent, where, you know, they have me auditioning and working on everything from, you know, film to TV to commercials. So just to be able to be working in any capacity, all these years later, to me, is something I try to remain grateful for. Absolutely, that is so cool. How different is it to do the voice acting as opposed to the you know, on stage or uh, in-person acting? Because obviously like 70% of communication is through body language. Sure, 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 sure. And you know, it's funny, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people call themselves a voice actor. Oh, because to me, <laughs> there's, there's, no, uh, there's no difference, ostensibly, between, no difference within yourself between acting, you're 100% right. Because I've done a bunch of uh, off-Broadway theater shows to closed set television, and those are completely different night and day as is doing voiceover work. So it is different, but really the differences should be as external as possible. As long as what you're doing is truthful and you're preparing the same way, there should really be little difference aside from the volume of your voice and your external environment. If you can get a handle on everything else, I feel like acting is acting. All right. Have you been able to work with any big names? Yeah, I've been very, very fortunate, uh, especially in the video game community. I guess the biggest game that I've worked on was uh, a game called Rad Rogers, which ended up coming out for all current gen platforms. And the lead of that was actually John St. John, who is the voice of Duke Nukem. Very cool. um, and I got to tell you, he could not have been more wonderful. Uh, we still email back and forth every, uh, every couple of weeks or a couple of months or so when uh, he basically said to me, hey, listen, if you ever need any advice, any tips on like demo reels and stuff with voice acting. So he's been such a cool kind of mentor figure to me as, uh, as well, which was so wonderful to hear and see, just to see somebody go out of their way like that too. So really wonderful experience. That is so great. And it wasn't luck that got you there. What ended up getting there? Was it just your agent or are you just putting in the time and the effort and getting your, your resume built? Time and effort. You know, an, an agent, a lot of people think that, oh, I have an agent, they'll go get the work for me. And whether I have an agent or not is, is really irrelevant. I'm always still out here trying to hustle like the rent is due. You know, that's, that's really all I'm trying to do. When, especially with video games, some of the great things you can do is there's so many indie games and wonderful, the indie gaming community is so wonderful and has such great people in it that I encourage everybody to just shoot an email, snoop around, look around, be like, hey, if you guys ever have any openings, here's my demo reel. You know, keep up the good work. Nine times out of 10, even if they didn't want me, I got some positive feedback being like, you know, we really appreciate that you're supporting us. We'll keep you in mind. And you just got to try. You have to try. That's right. All right. Um, what makes you unique? How are, how are you different from everybody else? How am I different from everybody else? Well, I would say that what makes me different is that I have always had a fundamental belief that if I see something that I like, I not only, for better or for worse sometimes, I not only want to be like, wow, I like that, I want to be a part of it. You know, whether it's uh, the video games, the acting, the teaching, I think I have a lot of interests and a lot of hobbies. And when I 
see something, I really will try to give as much as my energy as possible to be a part of it. Okay, beautiful. So, um, you know, part of my show is trying to show people that you can make a living doing what you love. So are you making any money doing your acting? Yes, I, I actually am. Not, listen, not Scrooge McDuck money. You know, my, my, I have a family, my primary <laughs> source. giant vault. <laughs> yeah, my giant vault doing the dive. Right, exactly. Um, no, so I'm still, you know, a, a public education teacher. Just, you know, that's, that's my main source of income. But I, you know, I am picking up some extra money here and there, just doing even simple things down here uh, around Charleston, like local commercials. You know, um, I recently just did a wonderful podcast drama called Ninth World Journal, uh, which actually has some, that world, I think it's Numenera, has some uh, roots in video games as well too, as well as tabletop gaming. That was a fantastic experience. Um, there's always jobs and gigs to be found. You just gotta, gotta be creative and you gotta search. Okay, so talking a little more about the voiceover work. How do you go about the process of developing the character? Because obviously their the voice is unique, it's not your voice. Sure, certainly, certainly, certainly. Um, what helps me a lot is even if a character isn't fully realized yet, I do my best if I haven't had it in my hands yet already uh, to ask for a sketch of the character or at least a loose description and background. Instead of just trying to make up a voice out of the blue, I really try, like I would do for any role or any character, um, I try to really find out who is this character, what environment are they living in, what are their motives, and what makes them tick. Okay, fantastic. So you kind of have this dual track, you have the education and the acting side of it. Uh, the education you said you've been doing for a few years, but really this was your first year, first full year. Um, on the acting side, it's been the past 20 years, so rock yeah. on for that. If you could go back in time, you know, to when you were 15, just as you were starting drama, what advice would you give yourself if you could just tell yourself one thing in order to propel you into the future? In regards to the acting? Yeah. Well, in regards to your life, because obviously you've kind of had this, this meandering path through life. Yeah. So I would tell my 15-year-old self, it's okay to not immediately get everything you're shooting for. And I think that's, you know, my ambition and, you know, my drive, which I still have. The flip side of that is it used to be like, I have to get a role. I have to be the best. I just, I will not settle for anything else. And why that's great to be driven. It also has a very large egotistical kind of, uh, you know, undesirable characteristic that I felt that I had at least part of me in my younger years until I realized, you know what, just because these are the things I love, they don't define me. I still am who I am, whether or not I get that acting role or not, you know? Absolutely. Okay. Now for someone entering, we'll go the acting field, somebody entering the acting field, what advice would you have for them? What advice would I have for them? Uh, take acting classes. That, that sounds like an obvious statement, but I spent a lot, I spent too much time doing background work, first of all. Don't do too much background work is my next advice. Do it a few times and be done with it. One of, the, one of my buddies who was a PA on Gossip Girl of all shows where I spent some time um, working around on New York City, so told me don't be here for too long. Um, take acting classes, do stage work. Stage work is the fundamentals. It's like not doing stage work to me is basically like saying, I'm going to play in the Super Bowl, but I'm not going to practice football. You know, that's the fundamentals. If you can act on stage, you can act anywhere. Beautiful. How about on the education side? What advice would you have for someone looking to, to join as an educator? 
try it. <laughs> Step in a classroom, be a substitute as soon as you can and really learn. And these are so, these are the two hardest things to teach a human being, I think truly, but the most important qualities to try to keep in your mind is patience and empathy. Fantastic. All right. So acting and video games have kind of started to meld over the past few years are really the first kind of, you know, personal acting that went on in video games was Mortal Kombat. There was a lot of, um, of, uh, photographs taken of everybody and that's how they actually got the movements. But today we have the little balls on everybody, right? We have the actual yeah. movement capture. How do you see these two fields like moving forward together into the future? Oh, well, this is also great timing for this conversation considering The Last of Us 2 just came out, right? Mm -hmm. I think uh, Naughty Dog has been such a, a pioneer in really blurring the lines between a truly, you know, uh, HBO quality, uh, cinematic movie quality experience and a video game. I don't think there's that much of a difference really anymore. And whether I'm playing like the Uncharted games or whether it's God of War or like I said, The Last of Us, Red Dead Redemption both Red Dead Redemptions, I would put on par with some of that acting up there with the top percent of things that I've seen anywhere. And, um, you know, as this continues to be, I think, the biggest entertainment industry in America, uh, if not the world, you know, I think we really see that it's such a more credible path than it even used to be 10, 15 years ago to act in video games. Okay. Now, do you think we're going to have a more, uh, a more shift toward full-blown actors doing the voiceover work as opposed to just voiceover artists. For sure. I mean, I, I, it's, this is a controversial take as well too, but I love Death Stranding was probably my game of the year last year. As polarizing as it is, I know I'm going to get comments for that. It's going to be great. But um, look at that cast for an example. That's a perfect example of that. We saw several high quality known actors jump on board for a project like that. And I do think we're going to see more and more of that. I really do. Beautiful. All right, I want to pull back and talk about you if we can for a second, sure. uh, because I really do like make this about the person I'm talking about, not just kind of abstract theory. But I believe that we learn the most from our failures, not necessarily our successes in life, because our failures cause us to have to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and figure out what went wrong in order to avoid it in the future. So I'm going to ask you, what is your biggest failure in life and what did you learn from it? My biggest failure in life was the amount of time that I wasted being upset or angry when things didn't go my way, either personally or professionally. I wasted so much time and so much energy being like, just being angry, feeling sorry for myself, when really what I should have learned and I finally learned now uh, is to just dust yourself off, keep going. You know, keep going. I and mean, that's, that's a hard thing to learn. And you could argue you can't even learn that until you've lived the other side of it for a while. Certainly. All right. Now, what is something that you're working to improve on in yourself? Uh, I need to learn how to still take it easy. I have a lot of trouble with um, downtime and just relaxing. I've gotten better at it, but I feel like I'm always working on a project. You know, I created a whole... Uh, little Clickvenger indie game over the past few months instead of sleeping because when my daughter napped, I was being these engines just kind of creating this video game. And that was, I wanted to use this time where I was working from home, you know, and I had some extra time to do that. But, you know, I just, I paid the price. I was just exhausted all the time. And it gets to a point where I was like, what am I doing here? What am I doing to myself? You know, There's nothing wrong with that. After my daughter was born, I was getting three hours of sleep per night. And then we're like, we, she finally started sleeping at night. I was getting four hours of sleep. I'm like, oh, I'm so refreshed. Let me go work. That's exactly how I felt. I was like, I'm getting like four or five hours of sleep. I'm good now. This is great. All right. I love it. Okay. Now, 
this kind of a fun question. What is something that people misunderstand about you when they first meet you? I think something that gets misunderstood too is about me when they first meet me is that uh, I'm always enthusiastic and happy. I think is probably it. And I think maybe that comes from the teaching and kind of like the persona that I put forward as well too. But I think that uh, the fact that like, oh, nothing bothers him anymore. And a lot of that probably stems from all of my past behaviors and past failures, you know? I think um, I definitely have been told that it's like, oh, you know, he's always got a smile on his face. He's always happy. And that's true to an extent, but no human being is truthfully like that. No healthy human being is truthfully like that. It's okay to be upset and to be angry. Absolutely. All right, Jeremy, this has been wonderful. How do people find you? Where are you at in social? Uh, so on Twitter and Instagram, you can reach out to me at j.remy, which is J-A-Y-D-O-T-R-E-M-Y. And if you're interested in checking out that indie game I made, you can check it out on itch.io. Uh, it's called Stand Up Simulator, which is uh, from the desire I've always had to not only make a game, but also do stand-up comedy. So I did that from the couch, which was fun. But uh, it's under, so stand-up simulator, my profile there is j.creates, which is J-D-O-T creates. Beautiful. All right, now, do you have any final thoughts you want to share with us or anything I didn't ask you think we still need to cover? I, this has been wonderful. I, I, I love the podcast. I love that you're giving so many people uh, a chance to share their stories. I've really been enjoying it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, Jeremy Frutkin, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Thank you for having me, Brad. I hope to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Now, everybody else, I'm going to remind you, don't be just a gamer. Be a gamerpreneur. <laughs>